doctrines for the Jew. I believe there's doctrines for the Gentiles. I believe that with all my heart, but I'm not a hyper-dispensationalist, and I'm not going to discount any of the Scripture, amen. I don't believe in cutting it up like a pen, with a penknife uh, like they did in Jeremiah's day, and I don't believe in burning it. And I don't believe in, in being disobedient to it. Amen. So if, if I've got a message from the Word of God, if I've got a message from the God of gods, then I want to hear it. Amen. That's what we have here in Psalm chapter 49. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll just read through here a little bit. Lord, we do thank you for your goodness and grace. Now we've come, God, to the, uh, to the greatest need that we have, and that's to hear from the Word of God. Lord, you said you chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And God, I can speak for most of the folks in the building tonight, but I speak most, uh, most certainly for myself. I do believe. I, uh, Lord, I could say with the disciples, Lord, help my unbelief, but I do believe. And I pray, oh God, that you would help me and strengthen me. And Lord, I know all of us as Christians are going to need the strength to stand this week. And you said, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And I pray, God, that we'd not only hear the word tonight, but we'd do the word tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. We'll thank you, God, for the work that you do in our lives. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for allowing us to be saved. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. And thank you, God, for giving us new life and new purpose. And I pray, oh, God, that you'd let us achieve that purpose on a daily basis. We'll thank you for everything you do. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. All right. And so in verse number one here, he says, hear this, all ye people. He said, well, who's he talking about? Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world. That's everybody, ain't it? Now look in chapter 50 and verse number 7. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. So in the one place, he's just talking to Israel. And, and truly a great, a great amount, a great portion of the Old Testament is directed right at the Jew. But from time to time, the Lord speaks to everybody, and I think everybody ought to listen. Amen. Now this is a better message than you'll get from Tom Brokaw. Now, I might should have used a, a more uh, modern name or a more recent name. I don't think Tom Brokaw's on the news anymore, but I just ain't feeling too much like getting involved with too many modern media names and, and figures, amen? Even the ones that claim to be uh, conservative are not much count as far as I'm concerned, but, uh, but this is a message that's better. If it's a message from God, it's better than what you might get from Tom Brokaw or some of these other fellas on the news that you see in here, Rush Limbaugh. Amen. Well, so he says, hear this, all ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world. And he, well, we, he can, he boils it down just a little bit more, both low and high. We got any folks in here living low? Low livers, amen? And he says the high folks, what he's talking about is rich and poor, low and high, rich and poor together. People of low degree, people of high degree. You, you can't be, in, in, when it comes to God, you're not going to get off on the fact you had uh, uh, a doctorate's degree or you've, got, you've studied it at uh, the, the big colleges and all this sort of thing. That's not going to get you out of it, amen? There's many a man never been to college that's smarter than the master's degrees and the, and the doctor's degrees. Many a man never been to college. Many a man never finished high school that's smarter than them. You say, well, what advantage did they have in education? They sat at the feet of Jesus. 
Amen. They learned at the feet of the apostles who God sent into all the world to preach the gospel. A man that believes God and loves God with no education better than the highest educated man that there is. You say, what do you mean better than? What do you need the Greek? I'm better than. They're better. The Bible says the righteous is better than the wicked. Amen. The righteous is better than his neighbor, the Bible said. That's assuming that the neighbor is wicked. Amen. So he says both low and high, rich and poor. Listen, one of these days God's going to turn the table. Some of you can't get much done now because you're not rich. Some of you are rich. Some of you got the funds to do something, but you won't do nothing with it. They say that one of the great sorrows of the age is that the people with money have no vision and the people with no money have vision but can't do nothing with it. Amen. Well, that, that might be the case. That might be the case. But here it says both low and high, both rich and poor together. He said, I'm going to talk to all of you. And isn't that good? You know, you'd think if, if the president comes to town, you ain't going to be invited. Do you know that? Now they might say, would you folks please come out and line the highway so it'll look good on the news. But they're not inviting you to the state room so you can be part of the gathering and part of the conversation. When they get together and uh, talk about world peace, they don't invite me or you to come in and discuss it with them. Amen. But when the Lord shows up and going to have a message, he said, you can be rich, you can be poor, you can be, you can be popular, you can be unpopular, you can be sane, you can be insane, doesn't matter, just come on around and gather around. Matter of fact, the insane folks usually got more help from Jesus than, than the folks that were whole did. Jesus said, I come to call the, the sick. He said, I come to call the people that need help, didn't come to call you folks that made it already. But I got news for you. They might not want to hear from Jesus, but they're going to hear from him anyway. Both low and high, both rich and poor, together, he said. Now look what he says. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. That's the first thing I want to talk to you about tonight. My mouth shall, this is God's, see, this is God's message to men. And he says here, my mouth shall speak of wisdom. Let me ask you this. What's your mouth speaking about? Amen. Now, there's a great, I mean, if you go across the land that we live in today, you'd find a wide range of conversations. A lot of folks today can't talk about nothing, but uh, who's going to win the championship football games? If you like that sort of thing, more power to you. I'm not down on that, but is that all you ever talk about? If you used to pass through southeast Georgia today, a lot of folks would be talking about hunting deer and catching fish all these sort of things. That's great fun, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with that simply, but is that all you're ever going to talk about? If you'd come to my house, I'd probably end up talking to you about a high-powered rifle and putting it right on the target. Boy, that, that's the sort of thing I love. But is that the only thing that our hearts and minds are taken up with? You come across some old boy, get up there in New York City, get out there on Broadway, and they'd be talking about how to express yourself with great clarity so that you could entertain the masses. And that's all they ever think about. A few streets over on Wall Street, they'd talk about where your best investments ought to be. And you get into a religious uh, convention somewhere, and they'd be talking about how to reach the masses and how to, uh, how to be, have the most effectiveness and how to make an impact. And that'd be their conversation. Just buzzwords all over the place. Amen. God's up in heaven going. <laughs> I don't think that's good etiquette from the pulpit, but that's what's going on. God's not interested in, in man's buzzwords. 
whether you're talking about the backwoods country boy or whether you're talking about the Wall Street financier or whether you're talking about the Broadway uh, actor, all of them just living their own life, talking about their own thing here. And the Lord said, the Lord said, when I get you together around, you know, in the military, we had school circles. They'd holler school circle. And you just made a circle around the instructor and he began to teach you a class. When God calls a school circle, he's going to talk to you about wisdom. You know, and I, I'm right at home here in the South, amen, and I'm a Southern boy myself, but it seems like Christianity over the, over the last 20 or 30 years has, has praised ignorance. Well, we, we're just uneducated, and, and listen, I understand the dangers of education. I understand all that stuff, but there's no sense just because you're from the South to be ignorant. Matter of fact, that's falling into that old stereotype they're trying to make about Southern folks anyway. Listen, you can, the Bible says here when God wants to talk to you, He talks to you about wisdom. Not, talk, not necessarily mathematics and social studies, but I don't see why that churches, especially Bible believing preachers, want to magnify ignorance. Well, I don't know much, bless God, but I know this, and every tub shall stand upon his own bottom. That's the kind of preaching that you get most places. And that's where people start jumping up and down saying amen. Well, when's the last time you set your heart to learn something new? Well, I'm so, I'm so bored and my life is so boring. You ever heard that from a teenager? Next time, hey, mama, next time one of your teenagers say I'm bored, instead of making them go outside and play, get a list of the Ten Commandments or a list of the Twelve Apostles and let them go study something and learn something that's worth knowing. Amen. Set them down and say, well, you're so bored, you can memorize John 3.16. When you come quote it to me, you can tell me whether or not you're still bored or not. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? They'll find it, uh, depending on the kid, I guess, but they'll have newfound interest in going outside and finding something to do. Turn that TV off and get outside. Why well, there's just nothing to do. Well, let's break out the old Bible then. You say, why? There's wisdom in there. Amen? The book of Proverbs, that's what it's about, wisdom, amen? The whole Bible's about the wisdom. He said, my mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I know this, I know a lot of you fellas and you ladies too, probably just like me, you sit around and you think about, uh, how can I build a better gun? How can I build a better mousetrap? How can I build this, and how can I do this, and how can I do, how can I... How can I further myself in the things that I love to do? If I catch a deer, how can I catch him easier? If I catch a fish, how can I catch him easier? If I'm building a barn, how can I build a better barn? If I'm doing this, if I'm fixing the screen door, how can I fix it where it don't I don't have to fix it again in six months. I mean, that's the way men do. They sit around and think about this stuff. But he said the meditation of my heart would be on understanding. Now, he's talking about spiritual understanding here. And I wonder how many of us have sat around our house saying, God, I wish I understood you better. God, I wish I knew the Bible better. Have you ever read a, have you ever read a passage of Scripture and you not be able to understand it and it actually broke your heart? Man, I wish I knew what he was talking about there. 
Amen. When sometimes somebody will bring up an argument in the Bible, and, and the Bible's not about really argument. I, I, don't, I don't think that the point of religion is to argue about what's right or wrong, but when somebody comes up with a doctrine that is counter to or opposed to a doctrine I've believed all my life, I don't sit around in anger and bitterness and, boy, he's so stupid, boy. But my heart breaks. If, I, if he's brought up a point that I can't understand the thing, boy, I'll get in the room by myself and say, God, I really want to understand this. And maybe he's cast a little doubt on this thing. God, I really want to understand it. And just just about not come out of the room till I got that thing settled out. Amen. You say, well, I, boy, I don't spend that much time. Well, that might be why you don't understand a lot of things. But I'll tell you this, if the devil can get you tripped up once, he'll be out to trip you up the second time, the third time. But I don't know many people who's broken hearted about, hey, I want to know the truth. Amen. Now, when I was a little boy, I didn't mind witnessing. I witnessed to the people in their little, uh, you know, daycare centers and stuff like that. We were going to a state daycare center, uh, I guess, when I was in the fifth or sixth grade. Hey, tell them people, tell them boys, you get a little bit older and you uh, get out of the way and you become a teenager and you get backslid a little bit. And I didn't have much opposition. I never had no five-year-old or no, not, not five-year-old probably doesn't fit the case, but I never had no 12-year-old come up to me and say, hey, I believe you can lose your salvation. <laughs> so that sort of thing don't come around. But when I got older and really started trying to live for the Lord, it wasn't very long after I started trying to live for the Lord, some old fellow slipped around and said, boy, you need to start speaking in tongues. Isn't that funny how you get saved or something like that, and you never even heard of a Jehovah's Witness, but as soon as you start trying to live for the Lord, they'll show up there knocking on your door. You think that's a coincidence, but it ain't. The devil will let you go. As long as you're trying to live for yourself, the devil will let you go unmolested. Just keep living the average, ordinary life. As soon as you start trying to live for the Lord and really get under conviction about a thing, the devil will question everything that you believe in. Yes, sir. The devil showed up at Eve and said, did God say that or didn't he? Yea, hath God said? That's the first question. And since then, there's been doubt and confusion ever since. Yes, sir. Well, boy, I'll tell you what, this is serious. This thing, the things that I believe about the Bible are serious. The things that I believe about the Bible are affecting me from now on throughout eternity. Amen. If I can lose my salvation, boy, I want to know about it. If I'm supposed to be speaking in tongues, I want to know about it. And listen, if my mama believed that, if my mama believed that, and if my grandma believed that, I'd rather go against my mama and against my grandma than be wrong in the sight of God. God bless my mama and God bless my dear old grandmother, but if the truth is the truth, I got to go God's way and not grandma's way. I love my old preacher, but listen, if my preacher was wrong, I want to know about it. I'm not going to have God change the truth just because I want it to suit my old pastor or just to keep me from thinking ill of my old pastor. Listen, I found him to be wrong about several things. I don't think ill of him. I wouldn't have been saved unless they'd come by and witnessed it. Ultimately, because Jesus died for my sins, you understand that. But those are the folks that God used to get me into the fold. Amen. There's like John the Baptist standing at the door, at the doorkeeper there, John chapter 10. The porter opens the door. 
The shepherd goes in and out. I want to go in too, amen. And that's what there was. I still love them, still care for them, but the things he is wrong about, they just have to be wrong about. Amen. I, I, like some of the, I like some of the preachers. Uh, uh, one of my favorite Bible teachers, Dr. Ruckman, that fellow's wrong about a lot of stuff. He's wrong about a lot of stuff. And listen, I'd rather, I'd rather know what's right and, and have God on my side than to praise Dr. Ruckman and say he's right about everything and lie to myself knowing that there ain't no man right about everything. You say, Brother Mike, you ain't right about everything too. Well, come to me and show me in the Scripture where I'm wrong. Well, you'll just fuss at me. Boy, if you can show me where I'm wrong about something in the Scripture, I'll take it and run with it. You say, why? Because I love the Bible more than my reputation. You know, if you've been here at this church any time at all, you know good and well if I'm wrong about something, I'll stand up here and tell you, I made a mistake about that, or that was my fault. You know good and well I'll do it, and I've done it before, and I'll do it again, as long as God gives me the grace to let my heart meditate on understanding rather than what's popular. Now, what's popular with you might be something that's different. Popular with me, I might like the way I was raised. You might like the way you was raised. I might like the way my preacher used to preach. You might like the way your preacher used to preach. I might like this style. You might like that style. But I'm more interested in what's right than what I like. Amen. In that sense, you have to be disinterested. And that don't mean you're not interested. Disinterested means that your advantage is not considered that's what the word means, disinterested. It means your advantage is not considered in the matter. You see, we always talk about our rights. What about God's rights? That's his Bible. He died on the cross. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. He's the one that gives us life. He's the one that gave us the word. He's the one that gave us truth. Who cares if the guy that invented uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons, who cares if that guy's offended? He'll be a lot more offended when he gets before the judgment. He's going to try to be on his side. Huh? Listen, you say, well, I believe you ought to be faithful to what your mama believed. Well, listen, you think my mama's going to be able to reprimand the Lord when we get to the judgment? When I get up before the judgment and he calls me into account for what I've said and what I've witnessed and what I've preached to others, and he begins to rebuke me for, for teaching some fallacy, you think my mama's going to run up there and say, now you leave my boy alone. She's not going to be able to do that, is she? No, sir. He's liable to give her a spanking for teaching me that mess. But I got a responsibility to learn the truth for myself. Amen. Just, you know, the Bible said the Bereans were more noble than any other because when they heard the gospel preached, they went home and searched the scriptures to see if those things were true. What were those Bereans doing? They was meditating on understanding. Boy, I've heard the word. I believe truth has a ring to it, but you've got to check on that ring. Amen? You know, ever heard of the ring of truth? Boy, he said that, and it just sounded right. Yeah, but you've got to go home and take out your tuning key and make sure that thing's resonate. That's, oh, I thought that was the key of G, but that's more like an E there, I think. You've got to check it and see. Amen? Well, is that, is that, does that line up with the book of Psalms? Does that line up with the book of Romans? Does that line up with the book of Revelation? Does, that, does all those things line up? Listen, it's going to take some meditation. You've seen these little pictures of these little Buddha worshipers and stuff sitting around. Oh, I don't recommend you do that kind of meditation. 
But meditation simply means for you to be in deep thought about it. Don't be distracted about every other thing. Say, hey, the Word of God is true. The Lord isn't going to lead me in a false direction. I submit myself. It's going to take some submission. God, I submit myself to your will. If this is right, I pray, oh God, that you'd confirm it in the Scriptures, and He will confirm it in the Scriptures. The Jehovah's, uh, not the Jehovah's Witness, but the Mormons, they'll come into your house and they'll say, now, look, this is all, the King James Bible is good and you Baptists are doing good, but, you know, it's not translated all that correctly. And we've got the true Word of God here in the Book of Mormon. And we're going to pray that God will give you the burning in the bosom so that when we leave, God can deal with you. And they're waiting for you to get some heartburn or something. I don't know what they're expecting you to do, but almost everybody I've ever run into that was a Baptist before they converted over into that Mormonism, they said, well, the the, fellow, the missionaries come by. That's what they call them, them little fellows that pedal their bicycles around and knock on everybody. They call them missionaries. They said, the missionaries come by, and they told me where we was wrong, and they showed me some stuff in the book, and they prayed that I would get the burning in the bosom. And a little bit later on, I had this feeling in my chest that they was telling me the truth. Well, God ain't asked you to have no feelings. God told you to study to show yourself approved. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15. Listen, if you get the heartburn on the message I'm preaching, you better go home and check out whether it's true or not. I believe Brother Mike was right about that because I got a good feeling. Go home and read it and study about it yourself, amen. Once you get it confirmed, once you're fully convinced in your own mind, then you and me both can rejoice together, amen. You might be sitting here this week going, looking at it like a cow looking at a new gate. Next week we might be shouting hallelujah together then because you went home and studied about it and said, yeah, that is right, ain't it, preacher? Yes, sir. Amen. You thought you were supposed to be loyal to your mother, but you forgot you are supposed to be loyal to, to God first. Amen. Amen. He said, I will incline mine ear. This is verse 4. I will incline mine ear to a parable. When the preacher preaches, you're supposed to listen. Amen. Sure. Amen. When a preacher's preaching, I listen. I like preaching. I don't know about you. Amen. I don't ride around listening to southern gospel music. I don't ride around listening to gospel music all the time. I listen to preaching. Be a very rare occasion, and there is a rare occasion. I'll sit down in front of the computer, and we got tons and tons of old music on there, and I'll turn it on, and I'll listen to some fellow singers, especially old Lester Roloff. Can't sing a lick, but more spiritual than the whole bunch put together. I'll listen to it for a little while. That's where I learned to sing off key at, listening to Lester Roloff. But I'll listen to it a little while myself and get a good blessing out of it. I like, I like church music. I like coming to church and hearing the congregation. I like hearing the congregation best of all. We got some good singers around here. My wife and Sister Heidi and Nathan, they're good singers. It's good singers. Amen. We got good singers. I'd rather hear the congregation than that. Amen, I really would, I really would. But I love preaching more than that. Amen. You say, why? Well, he says, I will incline mine ear to a parable. If God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe, I still believe. Say, well, that means way, way back yonder. Why can't it mean right here today too? There's some things in this life I still need saving from. Ain't you? Ain't you got some things in your life you need to be saved from? Better make sure you believe. Well, I believe. Well, I don't know if I don't know. I don't know if you do or not. You ain't spend too much word uh, time in the word, and spent too much time listening to preaching. Some people can't stand preaching. That's just the truth of the matter. 
Amen. But he said, I will incline mine ear to a parable. I listen to a young preacher, an old preacher, it don't make no difference to me. He said, what if they're teaching you wrong? See, I've studied to show myself approved. Amen. And I'm not saying you enjoy. Listen, I, I can sit down and enjoy Presbyterian preaching if, if there's got something good to talk about. But then when it comes along to this Calvinism stuff or some other stuff that's messed up with the Reformed doctrines and stuff like that, if it's egregious, then I'm grieved and I turn it off. If it's right and correct, I'll say, Hallelujah. Well, you're not going to find much chance of me, you know, renouncing my membership of the Baptist Church and go joining up with the Presbyterians just because I find one little discrepancy or something like that. That's not what a stable Christian life is all about. But it is, the, the, a stable Christian life is a search for truth. I want all I can get. Amen. So I listen to some preaching of, of different sorts and flavors. But if you, if you have your senses exercised to discern things in the right way, well, you don't have too much to, to fear about listening to somebody preach. I've heard some of the dumbest preachers. I've heard me preach some dumb stuff a time or two. Amen. I, I have the wonderful pleasure of taking all these sermons and uploading them up to the sermon audio. We got about 400 and some sermons on there now. And I've went through those things and listened to some of the stuff. And I'm like, ain't no way I'm putting that online. That's stupid. Who said it? I said it. Amen. You said, well, you mean you told us something bad? You don't remember what it was. You wasn't paying attention that good. I ain't, I ain't hurt none of you devils. I mean, you're sitting there thinking about the patriots right now. I ain't talking about Paul Revere neither. <laughs> Amen. Am I right? I'm right. Amen. I will, he says, I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark sayings upon the harp. Good, good, uh, good singing have the Bible in it. You know, anytime the Bible talks about the dark sayings, he's talking about those, those deep scriptural things that's hard to understand. Make songs out of them. <coughs> Pretty wild, ain't it? Most of your modern day Christian songs, I was, I was, I was, what are you talking about? I'm, that's the words I'm trying to get into your mind. I, 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 I. That, that's, the de that's devil talk. I, 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 me, me, me. You know what I don't like? And listen, I don't, if you sing a song like this, I don't care. That's between you and God. And even it, it might be a blessing to somebody. I don't, I don't like to hear the word Satan in a Christian song. Is that weird? Sometimes it seems like people sing it and when they come to the word Satan, it's got an extra emphasis or something on it. Like, like maybe the devil's inside that person making sure people hear that word above all. You say, could that possibly be? That's all I think about for the next 10 minutes. I wish they wouldn't have said Satan. <laughs> amen? I, I don't want to give him an ounce, amen? don't want to give him an inch. Do you? So, Brother Mike, there's some real good songs that mention that. I know there is, but that part messes the rest of it up. Say, so, Brother Mike, I don't believe that way. I'm not fussing at you. I'm telling you what I like. Amen. So he says, I will open my dark sayings. Christian music's good, but it ought to be spiritual. I will open my dark sayings upon the harp. Well, this 
Oh, my soul. Uh, some churches wouldn't even be open if they didn't have concerts every three weeks. Amen? Amen. And some of the biggest names in evangelism wouldn't have no ministry if they couldn't sing real good. And fellas get up and start swooning. I was, I was, and I was, and I was. And all the girls out there going, oh. No room for Elvis in the church. Amen? 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 Amen. Well, let's see what it says here. Verse number five. Wherefore should I fear? Wherefore should I fear in the day of evil? See, you you're got your, your meditation devoted to understanding. You're, when you're talking, you're talking about the things of the Lord. So he says, wherefore should I fear in the days of evil? You know, the evil days are coming, right? The Bible says, he said, he said, I, he said remember now uh, in the days of the, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. He said, before the evil days come, didn't he? Well, that's talking about the elder years. Amen? See, the word evil doesn't mean wicked. I have to remind you about that. Evil can mean wicked, but a headache is evil because it's of a a bad nature. Things of a bad nature is where you get the word evil from. So when you get up and you don't have stability, you're afraid of heights, that's what Ecclesiastes chapter 12 said, fear of heights, different things like that. I mean, those evil days. Well, what he's saying right here is, look what he says. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels, the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? Did you know the sins of your life going to catch up to you in old age? And there's many a man that sat around and said, boy, I wish I wouldn't have lived the way I lived. It's catching up to me now. But you know here he said if you'd make the meditation of God's word and you'd make the meditation of understanding godly things, he said you wouldn't even fear when the evil days show up. And your own evil, your own wickedness catches up with you. That's what he said. He said, wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels compass me about? Someday the things you've done will surround you and start casting blame at you. I'm not an old man. I'm just before 50 years old, and some of the things of my youth have already slipped up on me and said, boy, you shouldn't have done that. And I've had many long days of grief over things that I've done. And you know what I found out one day? I could come right back at that stuff and say, yeah, but I've been forgiven about that. You're right, old devil. You're right, old conscience. It might be my conscience. might not be the devil. Amen. But I can say this. Hey, old conscience, you can rest easy because you've done been forgiven of that. And I will keep enough regret that I won't do some of those things again. I believe you ought to do that. But when that stuff begins to compass you about, say, hey, you remember what you've done? Yeah, I remember what I've done since then, too. I got right with God. I've been studying the scripture. I've been trying to go to church. I've been praying. How about that? Huh, the conscience pipes up and says, you know what you've done. Oh, yeah, I do know what I've done. I shouldn't have done that, old conscience, but I prayed. Hey, how about, how about messing with me about the prayers I prayed since I've done that? It won't bother you, will it? Have you ever been sitting around and your conscience pipe up and say, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for all that praying you've been doing? That don't, don't work like that, does it? But that conscience will get up and say, remember when you was 15 what you've done? You snuck out there behind that barn. You done what your mama told you not to do. And you, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done it. You can say, hold up just a minute. I did do that. Then I asked the Lord to forgive me. 
And then I went and studied my Bible and I told them people about the Lord. Huh? You going to talk to me about that old conscience? Sometimes the principalities and powers you'd be wrestling with would be coming from right up in here in your own head. Sure, you've done some things you shouldn't have done. But ain't you done some things since the Lord saved you that you should have done? That's what he's saying. He said, my mouth shall speak of wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. So he says in verse 5, wherefore should I fear in the days of evil? Only thing you've got to be afraid of is you get away from the Lord and get back into some of that mess. Don't do it. Don't do it. Amen. Don't do it. Verse number six said, they that trust in their wealth and boast in themselves, or excuse me, boast themselves in the multitude of the riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. The Lord paid my ransom. Hey, you folks that done all you folks that done all this bad stuff that you con- your conscience keeps coming back and listen, you didn't buy your own ransom from that stuff. The Lord bought your ransom from that stuff. He he paid for your sins and you've trusted him now. Amen. You're not trusting in a carnal. Listen, if you if you paid into the Catholic Church to get your forgiveness, you got something to worry about. But if you knelt at the feet of Jesus and asked him to forgive you of it, you don't have reason to fear now. See, some of, some of, the, some of uh, the bad black spot in some of you's life now is that you haven't spent the time in the Scripture that you should have so that you'll be able to, to, to combat these dark things when they come back in your life. I'm just talking about in your own life. I'm not talking about the devil accusing you or somebody out in the community accusing you of being a hypocrite. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, listen, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you'll read that book, if you'll read it, if I'm not mistaken, it's the book of Philippians. If you'll read it, it tells you about how Paul was delivered. It tells you about how Christ was a delivered and they were delivered through obedience. And the Bible says, work Work out your own salvation. Christ was delivered through his obedience. Paul was delivered through his obedience. And he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hey, get down on your knees and pray. Spend some time each day studying the scripture. And when that old conscience bucks up and said, I remember what you've done when you was 19 years old. Boy, you should have never done that. You say, that's right. I did do that. But I'm forgiven now. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't just forgive myself. God forgave me. God forgave me. And he, he established my goings. You remember what the Bible says in the book of Psalms? It says, uh, he, sa- he says, he brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Hey, he did forgive us. He did save us. He did set our feet on the rock, but he established our goings. And hadn't you been going a little bit differently since you got saved than you did before you got saved? That's something you can depend on. See, if you spend your time Studying and meditating on God's Word, you got something that'll last you forever. You spend your time memorizing old Elvis records, all you got is a bunch of crud in your mind. Amen. Same goes for Bo Cephas and old Hank notwithstanding. Amen. You say, Brother Mike, you like Hank Williams Sr. better than some gospel singers we got today. Amen. I'd let Hank Williams Sr. stumble in here drunk and sing, and sing I Saw the Light a whole lot sooner than I would let Casting Crowns come in here and mumble at you for 35 minutes so you think he's in a hippie concert. 
Amen? Amen. You say, Brother Mike, would you let Hank come in? No, but I'd let him come in before that crowd. Amen. Amen. I got more respect for a sinner that knows he's a sinner and does what sinners do than a sinner that's trying to pretend they're Christians. Amen. 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 So don't you have no compassion? Sure I do. We say it all get right. We shake hands and fellowship and shout hallelujah. Got no prejudice against nobody. Amen. Just got to call it what it is. Amen. So he says, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him that he should still live forever. Remember what he said in verse 2, both low and high, rich and poor, they all going to die. Meet their, na- meet their maker. I sort of say meet their neighbor. But them and their neighbor will be there. Amen. Meeting their maker. That he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes says. It says, how, how does the wise man die? That's a question in the book of Ecclesiastes. You know how he dies? Just like a fool. They close their eyes and they go to sleep and they are no more. This old body goes into corruption. Amen. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever. You think you're going to live here and die and everything you've done be established forever. The Bible even goes down in through, this, through this passage in verse number 11. It says, they named their estates and everything. Mm-hmm. This is a great paradise I've built here. No, it's going to corrode just like you, you are one of these days. Amen. Verse 13, their way is folly. Their, uh, this their way is their folly, yet their posterity approved their saying. Man, gro- man grows up in life, spends all of his money on this world's good, builds him a palace and got a great estate and names it after himself and dies and goes into the ground and corrupts. That's a rot. Amen. And it says their posterity, the posterity approved their saying. They'll have kids and grandkids. Listen, you can go over to England today. You can find these great big mansions and stuff. And you go in there and it'll be the fifth or sixth grandson of some old ancient lord or baron or something like that. And then they're in there singing the praises of all this stuff done. And you don't know behind the scenes the government's paying them to live in that house. They'd rather be somewhere else. They don't want to be around there. And they're singing the praises to dead men that ain't never going to accomplish nothing else in this whole universe. Throughout all eternity, it's going to come to nothing. Just dead men dying and being buried on top of other dead men for dead purposes, for dead causes, for something that's going to come to nothing. And here you are with the King of Kings in your soul, got a book that's going to last forever, got a salvation that's never ending. Whoa! You got something to talk about. You got something to think about. Amen. I've had the the old assistant principal was the uh, disciplinarian in our high school. And many a times he brought me into the office and asked me what happened and read the the other account of the other person that said I'd done this or that. And he would always say this. Now I'm going to go in here and you think about what you've done. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I'll just close this message right here and let you think about what you've done. Amen. Think about, is my mind in the right place? Is my heart thinking on the right things? Am I putting too much emphasis on worldly things and not enough emphasis on godly things? If you've got a worldly emphasis, you're going to get a worldly outcome. 
And it'll be a, it'll be a battle if you spend your time in the Word because the devil's going to be fighting against you. But greater is he that's in you than he, than he that's in the world. Amen? Let's, 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 remi- let's finish reading the Scripture. Like sheep they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. You know, he's talking about the resurrection right there. A lot of times in the book of Psalms when he talks about in the morning, he's talking about the resurrection. Like joy comes in the morning. That's when the sun, the S-U-N, the S-O-N of righteousness rises with healing in his wings. He says, like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed upon them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. You know, there's world rulers right here that's going to close their eyes in death, and when they wake up in the morning, some old grandmother from Folkston, Georgia, that lived her life for the Lord is going to have dominion over that fella forevermore. Amen. Verse 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Ain't you glad you're going to get up? For he shall receive me, praise God, Selah, but, that, uh, but not, uh, be thou not afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. Don't, don't get too overexcited when the world takes over the world. It is their home after all. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul. He blessed his own soul. You see that? And men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. You buy yourself a new house. Oh, man, you're great. Buy yourself a new car. Oh, man, you're great. I learned me a new verse of Scripture this week. Yeah, you're a fanatic. Amen. But in the morning, but in the morning, you'll have dominion. Amen. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. He'll be buried on top of his daddy, and and his son will be buried on top of him. He said he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beast that perishes. A man that's in honor and, and doesn't have anything to be honored for no different than old rabbit, old turtle, old squirrel, old snake. Amen? Get your hearts and your minds in the Word of God. Amen? Lord, we do thank you tonight for your goodness and for your grace. We pray you'd take the Word of God that's been preached. And Lord, I pray you'd convince and convict me and convince and convict these, God, that we need to buckle down. We need, to, uh, we need that great revival in our soul. And I pray, oh God, you'd help us to live forevermore, God, meditating on your word. It's the only thing that can go with us, God. The only thing that can go with us through the grave and into glory is the things that we've done for your name and the things that we've learned of you. Lord, you told us and you invited us to come and learn of you for you're meek and lowly. And now, God, I pray you'd help us to learn. God, forgive us for spending so long out in the cold and not coming in and warming ourselves by the fire of the word. And I pray, oh God, that you'd help us now to turn our hearts and to turn ourselves, God, towards you and that you'd lead us and guide us and give us that revival we so desperately need. And I'll thank you, God, for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name I pray it. Amen. Thank you for coming tonight. And God bless you for coming. You're dismissed.